you have to be in it to win it. You're always going to be more successful if you're doing something. So my advice is always get started, you know, have a decent plan. Don't bail on your plan too quickly and don't be afraid to build the plane as you fly it if you need to. So it's all about trial and adjust, but more than anything, just do something. This week, we are brought to you by Attest. Attest is a consumer research platform that enables brands to make customer understanding a competitive advantage with continuous insights. By combining unparalleled speed and data quality with on-demand research guidance, the platform makes it simple and fast to uncover opportunities with consumer data and grow without guesswork. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollison. I'm the founder of Automated Creative and this is a weekly podcast where I get to interview one of our industry's leaders about what their vision for the future of our industry is. And this week is no different. I'm on a call with Libby Eskam, who is Global Marketing Vice President at Sodexo. So Libby, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, can you give us all a bit of background? Absolutely. Hi, Tom. It's great to be speaking with you. I'm a senior marketer and I have... Um, um, significant cross-industry experience, currently working in services, but I've also worked across hospitality, retail, FMCG, and also property. That means that I have done vast amounts of B2B and B2C and scarily B2B for C marketing. And I've lived and worked in five countries uh, for multinationals like Unilever, Kraft, Diageo, and Fosters, as well as quite a few SMEs along the way. Right. You've got all the stamps on the marketing passport there. Fantastic. So curious to know... In that wide and varied career, are you a marketing book reader or are you a learn by doing person? And if you are a book reader, which titles do you recommend? Oh, I'm, I absolutely both. I actually think it's fantastic to stay fresh um, by reading, you know, new marketing titles. But I also like doing things a lot. But, you know, I think it's a mixture of both. And when it comes to reading, kind of which which books are your kind of preferred Bibles, as it were? Sure. Well, I think um, an enduring favorite is The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle. It's it's a fast-paced and enduringly relevant guide that I think all marketers should read. You know, you have a protagonist that's hungry and driven, and he, or probably it could be a she, eats a number of foods every day, demonstrating perseverance and trial and error, um, you know, to achieve growth. And I think it also interrogates failure. So when the caterpillar eats too much one day, um, you know, it, it absolutely has this tanking experience, but then harnesses the failure to evolve at the right time and turn into a butterfly. So it clearly illustrates the power of doing something, not nothing. And I think in marketing, trialing until you're successful and pivoting strategy when you need to and scaling and transforming when the time is right um, is is a fantastic way of driving corporate growth. I love that. And my daughter is four, so I, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the work. So lovely answer to that question. Thank you. Do you share that book with your team? And have you given that the uh, philosophy before? And how was it received? I mean, I think absolutely. I think marketing is all about storytelling and it's all about memorability. So actually the most successful marketing strategies that I've ever put in place are the ones where you have a really succinct, relevant, memorable elevator pitch and everybody across you know, the marketing team and the other functions in the organization 
know what you're trying to do and can say the pitch. So actually with the very hungry caterpillar, I think when you say that to a marketer and they were, you know, have a junior marketer come to you and say, you know, what's our philosophy or how are we going to do stuff? And you kind of say, well, you know, think about the very hungry caterpillar um, and their approach, which was continuing to try things every day, doing things every day until they hit the jackpot and then really kind of leveraging the jackpot to go on to the next thing. But continuing that cycle of, you know, expecting change um, and continuing to do something. So I think marketing is so cyclical. You know, often you'll launch a great new strategy and potentially it's a campaign and you achieve a lot of success. And anybody who's been through those cycles knows your job isn't done at that point. At that point, you need to start immediately planning for how you're going to continue your success because the whole world of marketing is cyclical. You've completely pulled the rug from under my feet there. Thanks for <laughs> successfully joining my home and family life with my work life. Fantastic. So outside of looking to inspiration for looking to kids' books for inspiration, what is the marketing tip that you give most often, that kind of silver bullet bit of advice? Uh, you have to be in it to win it. And I, I don't know, it's, it's very much an Australian saying. I don't know um, whether it's as popular in England, but certainly my team get a big dose of Australian sayings and I, I think they will try and fight being a little bit Australianized along the way, but um, subliminally it might happen. Uh, so be in it to win it because um, for me in marketing, you're again, it's building on the very hungry caterpillar. You know, you, you're always going to be more successful if you're doing something. And I think in large corporations, often you have these mega planning or strategy processes and, and they really do help structure your thoughts and also hopefully engage your cross-functional team members um, in your planning process and you, you state and agree what you're setting out to do. But, you know, I don't think a marketer is going to be successful if they pontificate ad infinitum. So my advice is always get started, you know, have a decent plan. Don't bail on your plan too quickly and don't be afraid to build the plane as you fly it if you need to. So it's all about trial and adjust, but more than anything, just do something. And is doing nothing a viable alternative? Like do people do literally do nothing? Well, I don't think you ever do nothing, but I do think sometimes organizations are quite um, oriented towards their internal processes. So sometimes, you know, I've been a part of advertising campaign development where you go through multiple rounds of iterations. And, and even sometimes if your testing doesn't come through, actually, you know, the campaign is disbanded. So absolutely, I've seen it happen that plans don't go to air because you don't meet benchmarks. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you should go out there and flight or, you know, activate a campaign, you know, that hasn't sufficiently resonated with consumers. But if you do nothing, what you can be assured of is you will get an increasingly large proportion of nothing um, <laughs> and your brand share will slip away.
This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So we're going to now talk about your shiny new object, which surprised me, which is functional nutrition. So I I cannot work out how this is going to tie back to marketing, but I'm fascinated to hear why you think functional nutrition is a shiny new object and what will the impact of it be on marketing? Well, I guess maybe this is a little bit of a function of... um you know, almost two years of lockdown that we all developed these, uh, you know, new hobbies. But just as a little soundbite, functional nutrition or functional medicine is basically the new arm of nutrition. It's all about the gut-brain axis and how what we eat is infinitely more connected to how we feel than you might expect. So it's very much a scientific data-based approach to nutrition. And, um, You know, I know that this is a marketing-centric podcast, but like mindfulness and other techniques that we employ um, to be high-performing, you know, we all have this ship called our body that we have to look after to work well. You know, maybe you're working long hours and you're time poor. And the big question is, how do we help ourselves to feel good, last longer, and think better? And actually, this new trend in nutrition has absolutely gone to st- from strength to strength over the last few years. And it's generally being advocated by doctors who've pivoted their careers from being all around drugs, um, you know, to fix a symptom and hopefully a cause, um, to actually fix a lifestyle to stop you getting the symptoms. So, you know, if you're tired, don't reach for a chocolate bar, which will cause an insulin spike and then a crash leading you to to need probably three more coffees and yet more sugar. Instead, you know, functional nutrition is all about a fantastic way to improve your performance and mindset through sleep, exercise, food, and mindset management. And I think it's helped me enormously. And, you know, being a manager of, you know, various teams over the last few years, you know, I think everybody, it's a bit like environmentalism. Everybody is now thinking more about health. Statistically, as a nation, we're thinking more about health. And increasingly, people are asking themselves, you know, am I eating the right thing? And it's not just about am I, you know, overweight, underweight or the right weight. It's about how do I feel and do I have the right level of perseverance? So much to talk about there. So help me understand how you do this. So it's always difficult to argue with something that's based in science and has the support of doctors. So let's just say that like you know from a, an awareness perspective you've you've succeeded in enlightening the audience but from consider I don't know why I've gone through a marketing funnel here but from a consideration perspective what does it actually look like what does it mean is it like a regimen whereby like I have to eat these foods at certain times and exercise at this time or is it just being conscious about what you eat how does it actually work for Libby well how it actually works it's very much around um, eating the right foods and nutrients and even how and when you eat. So time-restricted eating, for example, um, is a, you know, is a fantastic way to let your stomach lining recover overnight by limiting the number of hours that you eat during the day. Um, And what that does for you is it means that you don't tend to have leaky gut syndrome, which actually leads to 
brain fog. So I guess, you know, if I wanted to pivot this a little bit from a marketing perspective, what I would say that, you know, if you work in food and this is a new rising trend because it is, you know, based on some great science, um, then it's an area that is really worth looking into. And there's been some fascinating trends in the way the government wants to engage in, you know, fast-moving consumer goods foods over the last well, even 20 years, let's say, you know, Years ago, I worked at McVitie's and, um, you know, the government was trying to stop this trend towards king size. More recently in the UK, we've seen the introduction of calorie declarations. That's trickier than you might expect to say that word. (laughs) Um, You know, calorie declarations, which has just cost restaurants and, you know, companies like food service companies, vast amounts of money, time and resources. And it's such an interesting you know, knee-jerk approach, really, because calorie counting is a 1950s blunt instrument that was to try and raise awareness in people of, you know, gosh, is half a chocolate cake too much or not? But it doesn't really address how we absorb the nutrients and whether it's good food or bad food. So, a blunt instrument that's costing, you know, the UK just tens, probably hundreds of millions if you really wanted to get into it. So, I think you know, that's something that we've had to be responsive to in the food industry. And potentially there's other far more significant areas. So as a marketer that actually works in food services or in packaged goods, I think it's very important that you're aware of where the rising trends are coming from. And we all know know, keto and all the various different diets that you can go on, low-cal, low-high-fat, whatever it is, you know, vegan, vegan, vegetarian, and we do, as marketers, need to know about these. So I think it's uh, that functional nutrition um, is really sensible, is absolutely scientifically based, and we're seeing some brands, um, for example, like Deliciously Ella, um, who've really started going down this path and had some good success. And I think that's really reassuring and also interesting um, because it is a commercially viable path for companies to pursue. So, Libby, sorry, just to pull you back on that one. What specifically? What are Deliciously Ella doing? They're trying to look at um, making products that are actually helping people with their holistic health and tasting good, rather than being, I guess, you know, the last ten years approach to food, which was around is it calories or fat or sugar or sugar replacements. They're starting to try and produce products which are actually better for your functional health. So, and maybe, for example, be more issue oriented. So, let's say you have brain fog or you have low energy or you can't sleep. You know, there are lots of different need states. Uh, You know, as humans, we all know there's a million things that we'd like to have solved. Um, So, there's a lot of targeting that you can do from a marketing perspective actually help people to make positive change in their lives through food and beverages. How does the diagnosis bit work? So, I mean, there's, there's definitely days where I'm not feeling that motivated or have brain fog or just can't be bothered or like feeling so hyper that I can't focus on anything. So is there a diagnosis? Is there, is there like an app where you have to track how good you feel or bad you feel or how foggy you feel? How does that work? How do you, as opposed to just going out and buying a bunch of deliciously Ella stuff and cramming it all in hoping it works, like how, how do you, like how do you diagnose the issue and before you start prescribing what kind of food it is that you 
that you take on board? There's, there are a large number of apps being developed in this space. You know, Inside Tracker is one, but there's, um, you know, there's rings and obviously a number of us have watches that tell us, you know, whether we've had REM sleep or light sleep or whether, we've, you know, your phone kind of buzzes to tell you it thinks you might be dead because you haven't moved for the last three hours. Um, so there's lots of different ways um, of, of tools that companies are actually now selling to actually help you understand yourself better. And some of them are very good at actually saying, okay, you know, yesterday you didn't move much and you've also slept really poorly. You know, have you considered whether you've eaten the right foods? You might want to plan to be a bit gentle on yourself today because, you know, you're probably not feeling that good because you didn't sleep well that light last night. You know, maybe don't overdo the coffee this morning because you might end up with the shakes rather than feeling um, you know, well rested and concentrated, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think I just would annoy me so much. I remember when the Apple Watch came out years ago, this the, a guy I used to work with wrote this blog on it. He said, the last thing we needed in the world was more notifications, and now we've got them on our wrist as well. So I'm being not skeptical about the science, but like, yeah, as you've seen on the Apple Watch, I remember when I first got one years ago, like I got up out of my chair, walked across the fridge to get a beer and I, I completed my steps challenge at that point. And then I was just like, well, there you go. So yeah, I'm not sure I could deal with that, having someone telling me what, what to do. But it gets super interesting when it becomes automated, right? So you've had three bads and that bad night's sleep and you've eaten these things and, you know, so here's some bananas automatically get delivered. So I'm, I'm being trite, but you know, like, okay, cool. So it just makes that decision or like makes a practical step for me. Yeah. And I think organizations though are taking this very seriously as well. Like ours um, is actually doing a trial with, you know, a couple of hundred team members as they transition from working from home to working more days in the office and looking at, you know, movement, mindset, sleep, and then people have opted in. It's not mandatory by any means. Um, you know, to what, how they're actually performing now that they're coming back to the office several days a week, because what the company wants to actually look at is what's happening to key engagement, engagement metrics as they, you make that change. But companies also recognize um, that along with, um, you know, caring about whether people feel part of the culture, looking after your team's wellness will absolutely, you know, is absolutely correlated with them performing better in the workplace, having less sick days, suffering from less depression. So I think, you know, we and, you know, many other companies and I think healthcare companies are now recognizing, you know, invest in people at earlier stages to help them feel better and be more well and really benefits. You know, the, a really shocking bit of data um, or real world experience, um, i I went to a festival on Sunday. I was thinking it's a four-day festival, but I just got a, a day ticket um, here in Budapest, and uh, I went and watched. Um, you know, saw the final act. You know, there's probably I don't know twenty thousand people in the crowds, maybe ten. I don't know, a lot of people, and no one was wasted. Hardly anyone was smoking, and then all of the food things were like, you know, I mean, that was pizza and stuff. But there's a lot of like vegan and you know, alternative, like uh, healthy foods, if you like. And I haven't been to many festivals in a in a long time, and. It just absolutely struck me that that generation of, I don't know how many generations there were there, but like how unhedonistic it was. Like there wasn't that kind of indulgence, or certainly I'm sure it was in, in places, but in the majority of people that I saw, it wasn't kind of wasted people. Like no one was smoking weed as far as I could tell and people weren't drunk and they had all these healthy options around them so I think that really backs up your point about that not only does that 
the younger generation need it, expect it. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how brands cope with that as we move forward. And even if it is um, restaurants just putting calories on in the UK, which seems seems a bit bizarre. But um, thank you for sharing that. And that is a, I think that's a fascinating, shiny new object for the impact it could have on our work and the marketing we do, but also on the products that you know brands have to deliver in order to meet these changing needs. So I really appreciate your time, Libby. If someone wanted to get in touch with you about any of the things that you talked about, Hungry Caterpillar or the Hungry Humans and their functional nutrition, where would you like them to do that? And how would you like them to get in touch with you? I'm always very happy to receive messages um, via LinkedIn. So absolutely feel free to drop me a note. Brilliant. And what goes in a really good note to Libby? I think uh, expressing what you're interested in, um, you know, it's, it's always about sparking interest, isn't it? So it's how do you cut through all the messages that we all get in LinkedIn um, by, uh, you know, having an interesting perspective, question or observation that you share. Nice. Libby, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Tom. Hi. Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.